Good morning. Welcome back to the Christopher Gabonator show. And this morning, it's a nice overcast morning, so I might go for a little bike ride while I am listening to current events and commenting in a very comedic fashion. It's a shout out to KAMP Student Radio at University of Arid Stoner and KPYT. Pasquayaki Tribe, Kipiwati, Yo Eme, Pasquayaki Tribal Radio. Anyway, so let's get started with the show. That rhymes, by the way. <laughs> by the way, I, I uh, interned, film intern, voice artist. From democracy New York, now. this is Democracy Now! In New York. What the Supreme Court did today uh, was to eviscerate the authority of the EPA uh, to uh, protect our planet, uh, to deal with the uh, four alarm fire uh, that is... Well, we need to get rid of all six justices who voted to overturn Roe. That we live in. Conservative judges, they have no place Another on the courts. Fucking unqualified. The U.S. Supreme Court sharply limited the environmental protection Another six, agency's power to regulate carbon emissions from power plants. It's a victory for big polluters, but a potential disaster for the planet. We'll speak to former EPA official Mustafa Ali as Katenji Brown Jackson is sworn in as the Supreme Court's first black female justice. The Supreme Court also ruled President Biden can end the Trump era Remain in Mexico program. We'll go to San Antonio, where 53 people seeking he's refuge been in, in the United States. Year and a half, and he's just now thinking of doing this. Being confined to a sweltering I've always call, trailer said you should call in the ICC inspectors about the kids in cages phenomenon. That has to do with migrants is preventable. And in this case, it is both the attacks from our governor in Texas and the complicity and enabling of the Biden administration. Plus, we speak to the Dutch physician, Dr. Rebecca Gompertz, who's dedicated her life to helping expand access to abortion from providing them on ships and in international waters to sending abortion pills around the world. We'll look at the growing fight in the United States over medical abortion. I think this is not the moment anymore to stay within the law. This is the moment to make sure that women have access to safe abortions. Despite the law, and despite the fact that this, because this is such an unjust law that is creating so much social uh, inequality. Yeah, that's what they want. Really the most poor women, women in the country. This is over 180 people are arrested in Washington, D.C., protesting the Supreme Court overturning Roe. All that and more coming up. Welcome to Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman.
the Supreme Court's voted to sharply limit the Environmental Protection Agency's power to regulate carbon emissions from power plants. The court's 6-3 ruling in the case of West Virginia versus EPA is seen as a major victory for the fossil fuel industry and a result of a decades-long attempt to limit the regulation of corporations. Liberal Justice Elena Kagan slammed the decision writing for the dissent, quote, the court appoints itself instead of Congress or the expert agency, the decision maker on pa- climate policy. Well, that's what you get when I you have fucking right-wing extremist judges. Unquote. Joining well, the majority opinion was Trump appointee Justice Amy Coney Barrett, whose father helped lead the American Petroleum Institute for two decades. Oh we'll have more God. on the Supreme Court and the climate crisis after headlines. Environmental groups have filed a pair of lawsuits seeking to block the Biden administration from restarting lease sales for oil and gas wells on public lands. Together, the lawsuits seek to protect more than 140,000 acres in several western states. In April, President Biden called on the U.S. to expand fossil fuel drilling to offset a spike in fuel costs linked to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. renewable resources. E-bikes. Infrastructure for drilling might help big oil, but it won't lower gas prices and it will worsen climate chaos. In Lisbon, Portugal, hundreds of protesters marched Thursday outside the UN Ocean Conference you demanding get Democrats for electing a, a corporate Democrat. Slow the warming of the Earth seas. The conference brought together some 7,000 scientists, activists, and heads of state. Greenpeace Oceans Policy Advisor Laura Meller spoke at a protest outside the talks. While activists are peacefully trying to peacefully protest outside the conference venue, um, the real looters, the ocean destroyers, are out there um, depleting the oceans as we speak. Back in the United States, the Supreme Court announced Thursday it will hear oral arguments this October in Moore v. Harper, a case involving gerrymandered congressional maps that were struck down by North Carolina's yeah, highest court. The extremist judges are going to vote in favor of state courts of their power to strike down Obviously. state laws while expanding Six the power of GOP-controlled state legislatures to control federal elections. The court agreed to hear Moore v. Harper one day after it ruled 6 to to reinstate a Republican-drawn congressional map struck down by a lower court as a racially motivated violation of the Voting Rights Act. Yeah. New York Democratic Member Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeted in response, quote, we are witnessing a judicial coup in process. Uh-huh. If the president and Congress do not restrain the court now, the court is signaling they will come for the presidential election next, AOC said. The Supreme Court ruled five to four Thursday that the Biden administration may end the Trump era Remain these in Mexico were, program, these were, uh, known Bush as lawyers, the Migrant by the Protection way. Protocols, or MPP. Everybody forgets. Chief Justice John Roberts wrote in the majority opinion a lower court had overreached when it found the policy should remain in place after President Biden ordered it rescinded last year. Since the program's implementation in 2019, some 70,000 asylum seekers were forced to wait in Mexico while their case were resolved in U.S. courts. Thousands enrolled in MPP reported being kidnapped, raped, tortured, and oh facing God. homelessness while they waited in Mexico. We'll have more on this story later in the broadcast. Yeah. 
Good old America. The alleged driver Land of the, of the free, truck home of the brave. Of asylum seekers died. Home of the cowards. Trapped in scorching heat, made his first appearance in court on Thursday. Omero Zomarano faces human smuggling charges, resulting in the death of 53 people. Three others have also been arrested in connection with the tragedy. Meanwhile, immigrant justice advocates in the Texas border city of El Paso held a vigil Thursday, honoring the San Antonio victims and the thousands. Thousands of other asylum seekers who've lost their lives trying to reach the United States for refuge. Yeah. Nation of immigrants. Our only crime is to have needs. We don't come Thought to we were a nation of immigrants. Crimes, but rather to work to help our families. Each one of these crossings does not represent just one person. There are families, children, and siblings behind all of this. Behind each person who just died. We'll have more on the deadliest human trafficking incident in U.S. history in San Antonio after headlines. French authorities have arrested at least 10 suspected smugglers in connection with the drownings of 27 asylum seekers near Calais, France, as they attempted to cross the English Channel. The tragedy happened last November. One of the victims was seven years old. Back at the Supreme Court, Katanji Brown-Jackson was sworn in Thursday as the 116th justice and the first black woman to hold the position in the court's 233-year history. At a noon ceremony, Chief Justice John Roberts administered Jackson a constitutional oath. She then took a judicial oath administered by retiring Justice Stephen Breyer, whom Jackson clerked for after she graduated from Harvard Law School in 1996. Outside the Supreme Court, police arrested more than 180 reproductive rights protesters Thursday as they peacefully brought, blocked an intersection in a massive show of nonviolent civil disobedience. The protest took place just six days after the court's conservative majority voted six to three to strike down Roe v. Wade. Among those arrested was Reverend William Barber, co-chair of the Poor People's Campaign, Planned Parenthood CEO Alexis McGill-Johnson, and Democratic U.S. Congressmember Judy Chu of California. Melanie DiRigo, a progressive Democrat running for Congress in Long Island, New York, said after her arrest, quote, I was let go after a couple of hours, but for millions of people in states where abortion, a critical health procedure, is now criminalized, their arrests will be far longer and far more severe, she said. What a brave woman thank you in kentucky has temporarily blocked the thank state's on social media abortion ban from taking effect lawyers for kentucky's only two abortion providers are reviewing thursday's ruling to determine when the louisville clinics can restart abortion care in florida a judge also has temporarily blocked a state law banning abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy lawmakers in florida's republican-led state legislature are reportedly planning to introduce even more restrictive anti-abortion bills in the coming weeks. On Thursday, President Biden called on Senate Democrats to agree to a carve-out filibuster exception to order in order to pass new reproductive rights legislation. Give them all I believe pardons. we have to codify Roe v. Wade in the law, and the way Finally. to do that is to make sure the Congress votes to do that. And if the filibuster gets in the way, it's like voting rights, it should be, we provide an exception for this, for the, except the 
require an exception to the filibuster for this action. Biden was speaking from the NATO summit in Madrid. In response, the offices of Democratic Senators Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona said they will not agree to carve out to the filibuster to codify abortion well, fuck rights. You then. Ukrainian officials say a Russian missile slammed into a high-rise apartment building in a recreational center in the Black Sea port city of Odessa overnight, killing at least 19 people and wounding dozens of others. In Russia, WNBA star Brittany Griner appeared today before a court outside Moscow, where she faces up to 10 years in prison. <laughs> Brittany Griner was detained on February 17th after she was picked up at a Russian airport on allegations of carrying cannabis oil vape cartridges. Her supporters say Russia is using her as a political pawn. The New York Times reports the Kremlin appears interested in a possible prisoner exchange involving Griner and Victor Boot, an infamous arms trafficker known as the Merchant of Death, who was sentenced to 25 years in a U.S. prison in 2012 for conspiracy to commit terrorism. In Sudan, government forces <laughs> shot and killed at least eight people again. Thursday as huge crowds of protesters defied a communications blackout and took to the streets to demand the ouster of a military junta that seized power eight months ago. And in Ecuador, indigenous leaders have reached a deal with the government ending nearly three weeks of massive protests due to rising food and fuel prices. The deal includes a decrease in fuel costs, sets limits on oil exploration on indigenous land, and prohibits mining on protected areas, national parks, and water sources. The government has been given 90 days to act. Indigenous leaders have vowed to push the government to fulfill all demands. And those are some of the headlines. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. In another six to three decision, the Supreme six. Court has sharply limited the Environmental Protection Agency's power to regulate oh carbon emissions from power plants. They're President Biden decried the ruling man. as a, quote, another devastating decision that aims to take our country backwards, unquote. The court's ruling in the case of West Virginia versus EPA is seen as a major victory for the fossil fuel industry and a result of a decades-long attempt to limit the regulation of corporations. In his majority opinion, Chief Justice John Roberts writes, capping carbon dioxide emissions at a level that will force a nationwide transition away from the use of coal to generate electricity may be a sensible solution to the crisis of the day. But, but it is not plausible <laughs> that Congress gave EPA the authority to adopt on its own such a regulatory scheme, Roberts said. <laughs> Liberal Justice Elena Kagan slammed the decision. I like, I like how he's very uh, careful to make himself sound so reasonable. He does not have a clue but. about how to address climate change. And let's say the obvious. The stakes here are high. Yet the court today prevents congressionally authorized of all six of action to curb power plants' carbon dioxide so yourself, start Justice Kagan went on to write. Move on petition to get rid of all six justices. Instead of Congress or the expert agency, the decision maker on climate policy, I cannot think of many things more frightening, Kagan wrote. On Capitol Hill, New York Congress member Jamal Bowman warned the court's ruling will have deadly effects.
Cleaning up the grid is the only way to regulate greenhouse gas emissions from the power sector. So let's be very clear. This is yet another vicious power grab. And if we let them get away with it, people will die. Because of the reasoning used by the justices, this ruling could potentially undermine all kinds of regulations that are about saving lives lives and promoting well-being. We cannot, we must not, and we will not let this court stop us. The Biden administration must declare a climate emergency immediately and use every single power at its disposal. Yes, finally, someone's talking That's some Congress sense. Member Jamal Bowman. We're joined now by Mustafa Ali. He's the Thank former you, head Jamal of the Environmental Bowman. Justice Program at the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. Mustafa is the executive vice president of the National Wildlife Federation, also the CEO and founder of Revitalization Strategies. Mustafa, welcome back to Democracy Now! First, respond to the court's ruling. Well, you know, this radical court, uh, the decision that they came down with is deeply disappointing. It is also destabilizing and disturbing. it is deadly. My grandmother says that when you know better, do better. The court knew better. It just decided not to do better. And because of that, they put people's lives in danger. And they have also uh, put in place steps that will accelerate the climate crisis. Uh, we have to, you know, continue to engage uh, with frontline communities to make sure that they are going to have the resources they need to be able to navigate yeah, this decision as their lives have literally been put in the crosshairs. Tell us what the original case, uh, West Virginia versus EPA, um, is. How did this all begin? Well, it began because of the clean power plan. Um, and of course, we need to go back to uh, the, the Clean Air Act and just share with everyone, you know, that Congress stated at that time that the Environmental Protection Agency had a right and responsibility uh, to make sure that they were addressing the air pollution and protecting public health and the environment. Fast forward um, to the Clean Power Plan, uh, which was actually put in place to be able to um, minimize the impacts that were happening from carbon pollution, to put in place the rules that are necessary to make sure that we have a safety net across our country uh, and to be able to lower the carbon emissions. Um, so the case that they brought forward is a, a number of states uh, who did not want EPA to be able to have the ability to do that. And as was stated earlier, it was driven um, by uh, the fossil fuel uh, producing states uh, and those industries were the main drivers. So the ruling comes at a time when climate scientists um, are urging rich nations to significantly cut down um, greenhouse gas emissions and divest from fossil fuels. Of course, this not only impacts the United States, this decision will reverberate around the world. Um, talk about how it will impact um, the U.S.'s uh, plan to cut uh, carbon emissions by, what, 50 percent by the end of the decade something that President Biden referenced when he talked about this decision being devastating. It makes it so much more difficult to be able to achieve the goals that the IPCC and the National Climate Assessment has shared with us. You know, domestically in our country, just to actually anchor folks in some facts, we've got between 200 and 300,000 people who die prematurely from air pollution. 
and a part of it also comes from coal-fired power plants. So we know that not only were we trying to make sure that we were lowering the emissions uh, that are coming out of there, the carbon emissions, but you also have uh, sulfuric dioxides and you have uh, nitrogen oxides and mercury and particulate matter. Um, so when we know that we've also, those things exacerbate asthma, 24 million folks in our country, 7 million kids currently have asthma. So all this makes it more difficult both to deal with the initial impacts of our most vulnerable communities and also to lower the emissions that are warming up our planet and our oceans on a global scale. It also puts us in a very precarious situation because folks look to us for guidance and leadership. We know that we have COP coming up uh, at the end of this year. And, and once again, when we enter into and we begin to the development of these international treaties, uh, folks are looking at our country to see that if we're living up to the words that we're sharing with the rest of the planet. Um, so we have to begin to move forward in a much more serious way on climate action. And of course, you're talking about the COP, the Conference of Parties, the UN Climate Summit that will be taking place in Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt. I want to turn to Massachusetts Democratic Senator Ed Markey responding to the Supreme Court's ruling. Became every polluter's ally. And by undermining uh, the fundamental authority, which the EPA has to regulate greenhouse gases, uh, it has harmed um, every person in our country, but it has also undermined America's ability to be a leader internationally. We are going to have a difficulty in telling the rest of the world what to do when our own Supreme Court is tying the hands of the EPA behind its back. Okay, it is an absolute tragedy. Polluters. The only answer. So you have when get the Supreme Court taken over by polluters to expand the Supreme Advocates, Court to reclaim lobbyists. the two uh, Supreme Court seats that were stolen by Donald Trump and, and Mitch McConnell uh, between 2016 and 2020. So that's Massachusetts Democratic Senator Ed Markey. Your response to what he says, and then specifically as you talk about asthma, um, you are the you are the environmental justice um, uh, head of it, the environmental justice program at the EPA, which goes to the issue of the uh, disproportionately impacted communities of color in this country, but you look more globally at the world and who is most affected when the U.S. is historically the largest polluter in the world. Well, Senator Markey was exactly right. You know, leadership matters. Um, and we saw in the past administration that there was no leadership. Uh, in this administration, President Biden has put forth a number of different initiatives where he's trying to not only get his arms around uh, the climate crisis, but also create opportunities for us to create new jobs uh, and to make sure that we are strengthening communities. When we look uh, in a global context on these sets of impacts that are happening, when we look at the wildfires and the hurricanes and the floods that are not only happening in our country and these extreme, extreme heat events, we understand that they disproportionately impact communities of color and lower wealth communities, both in our country and across the planet. We know that black folks die at twice the rate when we're dealing with extreme heat. And we also know because of the lack of investments for decades that when we look at the floods that are happening, it is our most vulnerable communities who continue to get hit first and worse from the floods, from the hurricanes, and a number of other events that are tied to the climate crisis. 
So in this moment, we have the opportunity to not only show leadership, to make sure that $550 billion that the Senate uh, has the opportunity to move forward on that will help us to address the climate crisis, to rebuild communities, and to make sure that we are protecting the lives of everyone in our country. But there will also be ripple effects across the planet because as we make advances in this country, others will be able to take advantage of those. We have a responsibility in this moment to not only to act, but to show real leadership and to show humanity in this moment. So the question is how that happens now with the Supreme Court decision. Also, 14 states have sued the Biden administration to end a pause, a new oil and gas leasing on federal lands. Can you put this in the context of the Supreme Court decision? Well, you know, when the Supreme Court sent this decision down, you know, it has actually motivated those who uh, have not been supporters. And let's be very clear. The majority of the reason that folks are not being supportive in those states is because they're placing profit over people. Um, so we have to raise our voices in this moment. We should be engaging with both our senators and, uh, and our folks on the House side of the equation. We should be also engaging with folks in the state house to make sure that they know what our expectations are, that we want them to make sure that they are protecting our children and protecting our future and protecting our most vulnerable communities. And then we also have to make sure that folks are also dedicating the resources that other less developed countries will need to also be able to navigate this. All of this is literally at our fingertips. The resources exist and the resources are there on Capitol Hill to be able to help the president and others to be able to move forward and to address these cases that are coming up uh, through the various states. We want to thank you for being with us, Mustafa Ali, former head of the Environmental Justice Program at the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. Mustafa is the executive vice president of the National Wildlife Federation and head of revitalization strategies. And just to be clear, environmental groups have filed a pair of lawsuits seeking to block the Biden administration from restarting lease sales for oil and gas wells on public lands. Coming up, the Supreme Court's rule President people? Biden can end the Trump era remain in Mexico program. We'll go to San Antonio where 53 people seeking refuge died earlier this week in the deadliest um, human trafficking incident and in U.S. history. Stay with us. Anyway, please uh, call Congress 202-224-3121. Give them a piece of your mind. Call the White House. Leave them Message on the comment line, 202-456-1111. Call the Department of Justice and give them hell, 202-514-2000. Got to do your patriotic duty, man. Get off your fat, morbidly obese asses and do something. And also, uh, go sign my move-on petition, https colon slash slash bit dot ly slash... 3KA1MMD. Unfortunately, it's case sensitive, so but uh, it's in the um, description for this podcast. Go there and share that. Thank you for uh, almost 10,000 listeners across social media. Tris Majestus. And uh, yeah. Do something. 
Mexican rap artist Autry Funk. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org. I'm Amy Goodman. The Supreme Court sided with the Biden administration on Thursday, saying the president has the power to end the Trump era Remain in Mexico program, formerly known as MPP or Migrant Protection Protocols. The ruling was five to four, with Chief Justice Roberts and Brett Kavanaugh joining the court's three liberal justices in the majority. In his majority opinion, Roberts wrote a lower court had overreached when it blocked Biden from rescinding the program last year. Since the policy's implementation in 2019, almost 70,000 asylum seekers were forced to wait in Mexico while their cases were resolved in U.S. courts, a process that could take months or years. Thousands enrolled in MPP reported being kidnapped, raped, tortured, or left without shelter while they waited in Mexico. The ruling comes just days after 53 people seeking refuge in the United States died after being confined in a sweltering tractor-trailer in San Antonio, Texas. Four people have been arrested in connection with the tragedy, including the alleged driver of the truck. We go now to San Antonio, where we're joined by Claudia Munoz, co-executive director of Grassroots Leadership, an organization dedicated to ending mass incarceration, deportation, criminalization, and prison profiteering. She recently wrote an Bed for Truth Out headlined, U.S. immigration policy is to blame for the horrific mass death in San Antonio. Welcome to Democracy Now! It's great to have you with us. If you could start, Claudia, by talking about uh, the Supreme Court decision um, and then how it relates to the horror that has um, uh, been exposed in San Antonio, where you are. Yeah, thank you so much for having me today. I think in terms of uh, the MPP decision, it's certainly a welcome decision for us. We know it's not done. It has to go back to the Fifth Circuit, the lower court uh, that initially How made the that decision. The kids in cages and then we still have other programs. Uh, such as Title 42 that have a similar impact on migration and and people's lives, right? And I think for us, at the end of the day, force people into violent and deadly pathways of migration, because as long as we have these policies that are really based on control and exclusion, people will not go to the bridge knowing they will be turned away. Um, And so with both, you know, Title 42 still existing. Um, it's great that MPP, you know, seemingly will be done away with soon, but Title 42 was just funded for another six months by, by Congress. And again, and Title 42 is the Trump pandemic policy of just citing the pandemic as a reason to keep people out of the United yeah. States. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And so, again, as long as exclusionary policies um, exist, people will find other ways to migrate that are much more violent and deadly, such as what happened in San Antonio on Monday. I wanted to go to um, a clip of an LGBTQ plus asylum seeker uh, from Honduras who is placed in the Remain in Mexico program. Uh, They were forced to wait in the border city of Matamoros for two and a half years. This is what they said. I slept by the river under some tents. I saw how narcos or murderers, people of that sort, they were just called La Maña. They would go and find women to rape them, children. 
can be I saw people dying. When you don't pay a kidnapper or you don't pay a so-called rent, what happens is they pour acid on you. So if I'm escaping from a country where I will be killed and then they sent me to another country where I will also be killed for any reason, they are not helping us. That's video from Families Belong Together, Gloria from Honduras, Claudia Munoz. Uh, okay, so the court says you can um, end MPP, but how will the Biden administration do it? Well, um, we're not sure. I think we're still waiting to see the, the exact way, right? We know that the decision has to go back to, to the lower court um, and then another decision has to be made. And so I think, you know, for us, seeing all of the death around us, we are asking that some bold action is taken so that we can prevent more death from happening, which I will say every single migration-related death is preventable by policy that actually focuses on, on welcome and care. So we're hoping that whatever um, is decided by the administration is actually based on, on those values and not on exclusion and control. So let's talk about how U.S. policy relates to the horror of uh, human smuggling that we have seen unfold outside of San Antonio, with at this point 53 migrants dead in the back of a sweltering tractor-trailer truck. Uh, we believe at least four children and about 12 others are in hospital. Um, the horror we've heard reports of, it's all just, um, you know, sort of leaking out right now, uh, that steak seasoning was put over the people to disguise the smell. I want to turn to Karen Caballero, the mother of 23-year-old Alejandro Andino and 18-year-old Fernando Redondo Caballero, two Honduran asylum seekers who were among the dead in the San Antonio tragedy. If it was, as in other countries, where we could ask for a law or an organization to fight for the youth's future, is that possible? No, it isn't. We're not in a country that is open to these kinds of things. But if I had to demand something, please, Honduras government, fight for this country's youth. Karen Caballero's daughter-in-law, Margie Tamara, was also among the victims. Um, talk about what you understand took place and how this relates to U.S. policy, Claudia. So we know that this is not a tragedy that just, that just happened. It was done to these human beings uh, by really the borders and, and those in power um, who uphold them and run them every single year. And so what we have seen is absolutely devastating. We know it's preventable. Again, we know that as long as people are being turned away from the bridge, they will find other paths, particularly in Texas. Migration has been extremely violent, has been made to be extremely violent by state policy and really by, by the complicity and enabling of the Biden administration in stopping all of these states that are taking immigration into their own hands. Um, you know, with the idea that the parents-based policies will keep people away, we know that's not going to happen, particularly as conditions, as this mother is mentioning, uh, global conditions are worsening for people. And so as long as we have all of these state, um, local, and federal policies in place, people will continue to die 
which we call preventable deaths. This should not be happening. What's happening again in Texas and other places is absolutely devastating. And these these people, all of them should be here. There are groups that are asking that visas uh, for trafficking, for victims of crime are provided to, to the families, to the survivors, and that protection from deportation and relief is provided to the families of those whose lives were taken as well. Calling the International about, Criminal you talk Court. About the anti-immigrant Texas policies, such as Operation the UN Star, Inspector. Um, that are also contributing to asylum seekers dying. I mean, it's amazing. Operation Lone Star, the full militarization of the southern U.S. border. Um, they were part of the group uh, in Uvalde, right, who did not move in to save the 19 children, uh, fourth graders, and their two parents, even as they stood in the hallway. Um, but... Uh, yet Operation Lone Star, the militarization is massive there. Explain what it need, means for migrants. Absolutely. So in, in March of last year, Governor Abbott um, and a group of 25 other governors um, around the country organized themselves um, what they called an effort to actually secure the southern border. Um, and this operation, it's a $4 billion operation, which effectively deploys even more law enforcement and National Guard members, not just from oh, Texas, really? but from other states as well. Um, what they are using is that they are using an emergency order to create an enhanced um, trespassing charge. Up to date, they have charged over 3,000 people, um, and some of them have been in, in a state prison that was cleared out to, to detain these migrants for up to a year. It is, I mean, there's so many constitutional... It's another way to lock people up for the for-profit prison industry. I can even, you know, begin to, to fully cover it, but happening is that the federal government... That's what these motherfuckers were doing at the border. Remember, they were always, like, going to, like, Kirsten Cinema didn't vote on a fifth, on something important, like, something super important because she went to Texas to meet with uh, Cornyn about the border. $4 billion they got to do this shit. The investigation. Four billion dollars to carry out crimes against humanity. Get it back to the survivors um, and to the families of those whose lives were taken away. I know that uh, groups like uh, San Antonio stands are asking both the federal government and local government to certify new visas, trafficking visas, and also, um, you know, promise and ensure that people are not deported who are both collaborating with the investigation, but also the families of those whose lives were taken away. And so, all efforts are being made to protect So yeah, I interned for Amy in New York in 2009, and I told myself that's the only reason I would come back to the States would be to do an internship with Democracy Now! And uh, so yeah, I got, got one, I applied, and uh, the housing fell through, so I ended up getting this uh, clip. 
I'll tell you later. Around the country over the Supreme Court's overturning row. On Thursday, police arrested more than 180 protesters outside the Supreme Court as they peacefully blocked an intersection in a massive show of nonviolent civil disobedience. Hey, by uh, the way, how many people were arrested that day at uh, at the BL, uh, not the BLM protest, the January 6th insurrection? <laughs> coming under attack by anti-abortion politicians. Zero, because Mr. Trump, two days in advance, told National Guard not to uh, arrest them. Around the world, prescribing abortion pills from overseas through her Europe-based groups, Women on Web and Aid Access. She's also the founder of Women on Waves, which sets sail around the world to provide safe abortion services in international waters off the coasts of countries where abortion is illegal and delivered abortion pills across borders using drones or robots. I asked Dr. Gompertz to explain what medication abortion is. Mm-hmm. So a medication abortion is an, uh, a treatment uh, which uses two types of medicine. One is called mifepristone and the other is called misoprostol. That is basically inducing a miscarriage. The mifepristone uh, is blocking the hormone that is necessary to keep the pregnancy intact. And then 24 hours later, this medicine doesn't have very much side effects. Nothing much happens. Women don't really notice. But 24 hours later, they get four of the other tablets of my and this uh, tablet is causing the contractions of the womb so that the pregnancy is being expelled. The process is very similar to a miscarriage. Um, it's extremely safe. It's safer than many over-the-counter uh, painkillers that are available over-the-counter and for sure safer than Viagra. And now if we can go back and you can talk about your response to the Supreme Court decision making, um, well, gutting Roe v. Wade after half a century. So... um um, I already initiated Aid Access, which is an Austrian organization, uh, in order to reply to the response of women uh, in need in the United States. Uh, we found through Women Web that there were already many women in the U.S. that had real problems to access abortion services locally because the clinics charge too much. They don't. They charge, uh, and many people are living in poverty and they could not afford the fees that were uh, asked by the clinics. But also to travel to large distances. Um, we published a lot of research about this together with uh, Abigail Aiken from Texas University. Um, and uh, actually when we started, it was we did not really foresee that this would happen. Um, but since uh, the, the, the Supreme Court, uh, the draft of the ruling leaked in May, we saw an incredible surge in requests uh, from, from all over the United States. Um, and um, I now work with nine U.S. providers that are providing prescriptions for the states where they are licensed. Uh, there, there's 19 states where they're working in, uh, which is filled by a pharmacy from the United States. Um, and I do the other states where I provide the prescription and then the medicines are mailed from India. So we can serve, ADEXs can serve all the states in the United States. Hey, that's great. And how much do the drugs cost? So there is a sliding scale. So for the services that I prescribe, we are asking around uh, 95 euros, which is about $100. And the other providers, because the the medicines are a bit more expensive in the United States, are asking $150. But women that cannot afford that amount, uh, there's a sliding scale. Uh, So everybody will be helped.
So you have yeah. people like the South Dakota Governor Nome saying that she's going to try to stop um, these pills. Now, the Health and Human Services Secretary, Javier Becerra, um, uh, and Merrick Garland have made the point, the Attorney General, that the FDA has approved these drugs. Um, so how could your mailing of these pills be stopped and telemedicine appointments overall? Don't tell them that, Amy. They'll do it. So, I mean, I think it's impossible to stop it. Um, what I think is happening now, what a lot of the states are doing, the Republican states or where abortion is being banned, that it's a, a bullying tactic to scare people, to scare people yeah. off. Um, the United States is, is also known for its uh, uh, judicial injustice, uh, a very, where many people, uh, once you're being prosecuted or um, um, an attempt is being made, that it's really hard hard to, to fight back. So I think it, it will scare off many people, this kind of language. Um, aid access cannot be stopped. I'm not based in the United States, and I am uh, practicing according to Austrian law and Austrian medical ethical guidelines and my own conscience. Uh, the other doctors that I work with, they are uh, not working in South Dakota, so they wouldn't be, uh, it, it doesn't affect them. Um, the, the, I think what is the problem with these, um, what is being stated is that the, uh, so these, these, these regulations, they can be applied to people within the states where these bans are being um, uh, imposed. Uh, but with the other Supreme Court decisions, which are actually also at some, might even uh, reduce the, um, uh, the authority of some of the federal agents, uh, we don't know where it's going to head. It might surprise many in the United States to learn that already more than half the abortions in the United States are these medication abortions. Um, can you talk about side effects or what people should be concerned about? Yes. So I think it's important to understand that this was also an, um, the, the consequence of COVID. Um, with COVID, telemedicine has become mainstream medical care uh, overall, not just abortion, but many of the medical uh, services are delivered now by telemedicine. So the, uh, the telemedical abortion services, which can only be done with abortion pills, um, it's, it's extremely safe. Um, it's, uh, it's the same as a miscarriage, and actually it's safer than a miscarriage because people can plan it. You can plan to be near a first aid uh, center when, you take the, uh, when a woman takes the pills. Um, the side effects are bleeding and cramping, and sometimes women can have a little bit of nausea or diarrhea. Um, the, there's the, the, the complications are extremely rare, but I'll mention them. Sometimes the pills don't work. In 1% of the cases, they don't work. But these, then you can repeat the, the, the doses, and then you have another 99% chance that it will work. Sometimes the abortion is not complete, and that ex that is uh, what happens then is that women can experience too much bleeding. So one of the things that 
people can do in order to treat that or prevent it is take an extra doses of misoprostol, which is the second drug, because the second drug is causing the contractions of the womb, which will then empty the womb, and so then the bleeding will stop as well. Um, and the other complication is an infection, which is even more rare, uh, and it only happens when there is already a pre-existing infection. So what we say is that there's a few symptoms that women have to watch out for, which is bleeding, which is more than two, uh, filling up two maximum pads per hour of more than two hours, or it's like opening a tap, or when people have a fever of more than 24 degrees. And in that case, they would need to, to look for medical care in order to check whether they need any follow-up uh, care or not. Um, the pills are safe to use until 12 weeks of pregnancy. It's uh, supported by the World Health Organization, home use till 12 weeks of pregnancy. However, research also shows that it's effective and safe to use after that time, up till 16, 17 weeks. Um, so what is important is that if people want to use it, even later in pregnancy, that they are near a first aid facility, so that if there is a complication that they can be treated, because it's very similar to miscarriage, they don't have to say that they had an abortion, they can just say that they had a miscarriage, and there's no way that any doctor or other healthcare provider will find out that they use the medication. I'm going to be uh, tweeting and social media blitzing out this information for other women. Uh, that they did the abortion themselves and that they might be criminalized. Um, and so sometimes the states are over overstepping their boundaries. This happened in Texas when a woman was actually arrested after taking abortion drugs. But in the United States, women are not criminal when they induce their own abortions early in pregnancy. It's, uh, there is another organization called If, When and How, who is will support women with legal assistance if they would face any... She uh, should stop saying inducing abortions and say uh, inducing menstruation, menzies, menstruation, that's all it does. Makes you uh, have your menstruation. Good. Internet or how to find 
with reliable information. Um, and what we also see happening now already is that the fear is tremendous. Uh, when we started Aid Access, we always asked women if they would be willing to speak with the press about their experience and why they were looking for online care. And now, and there were many people that were willing to speak with the press, and now we see nobody wants to speak with press anymore because everybody is scared. Dr. Rebecca Gompertz, what motivated you to found Women on Waves? Um, so I'm a medical doctor and I've always been very invested in women's health. Um, and at the time I also sailed with Greenpeace, which is an, an environmental organization. And when I was on the ship, this is how the conversation led to abortion services being illegal in some of the countries that I was visiting with the abortion uh, with Greenpeace. And so this is how the idea came came about. And that was the start of my work. She deserves a Nobel Prize. Some what exactly nominator for a Nobel Prize. Is, uh, I mean, it started with a boat. Yes, it started with a boat. <laughs> but talk about what you did. You need to step up. You have done a bit of donate a billion to this woman. Abortion is illegal. It's much rarer where abortion is legal as it was in the United States uh, for there to be this kind of regression back uh, to in certain parts of the country make abortion access illegal. Um, are you concerned about? Um, women though at this point it's insisted that women themselves won't go to jail as you pointed out in texas there was an example of a woman who went to the hospital for um, a miscarriage uh, talking to the doctors talking about maybe having taken this pill and she was directly arrested in south texas wow. uh, this become increasingly common and then if you could talk about um it's unusual that you as a doctor could give not medical advice but advice to people in this country what it means to make abortion accessible can, usa america is a fascist state now so um can, i want to add something to what is also uh, something that is really concerning what is happening when abortion is made illegal is that you also see that doctors are really reluctant to provide medical care to women that need it in pregnancy for example when they present with a miscarriage uh, later in pregnancy or with an ectopic pregnancy because they are afraid that they will be uh, they will be charged under the abortion laws um, to, so there's only a few countries where abortion has become more restrictive one of them is Poland and Poland abortion was legal 
until 1993. When it became illegal after that, um, what we saw is that the, the stigma and the fear was so big that you could hardly find any medical professions willing to speak in favor of legalizing again. And it's become worse after that. So the revert, to reverse this decision will take another generation of activists who work really hard. Of, the other, I mean, these Supreme Court judges are going to be there for 20, 30 years. So it will take another 20, 30 years before this might even be unless, again. Unless we demand their removal of six Supreme Court justices and don't accept no for an answer. Call the White House, call Congress, call the Department of Justice. Do your fucking job as an American. This is a time to resist. Despite the law and despite the fact obey that this, the law. because this is such an unjust law that is creating so much social uh, inequality and that will affect really the most poor women, women in the country. And finally, this point that you raise about what actually happens now. Um, in the end, uh, it is not so much that women won't be able to get abortion, although um, in many cases, and particularly uh, when for poorer women, it's extremely, increasingly difficult to travel from one place to another. And it's not clear that if someone helps someone travel, um, even getting on a bus, the bus driver could be, quote, aiding and abetting. The law is completely vague right now um, but that um, women will get abortions as they did before 1973 when Roe v. Wade legalized it around the country but it will be unsafe uh, the United States in 2022 goes back to um, back alley abortions welcome to my shithole country to do by yourself is not unsafe. Let me just say that straight. But I know, and that's also something that we know from the emails that we received with ADEXS, that people will try to do other things to end the pregnancy if they if they don't find help. So we have had emails from people that have, uh, you know, put things in their vagina and trying to put things in their wombs in order to induce the abortion, or started jumping off stairs, or started using all, all kinds of herbs and that is unsafe and nobody should do that because that is really dangerous so but we also know that if people cannot find help readily uh, or easy then they will resort to these uh, to this method and the people that are still forced to continue their unwanted pregnancies and end in unwanted birth the other reality is that the United States has extremely bad maternal health care. The maternal mortality is one in 5,000, which is four times as high as in Europe. And so we will also see women that are going to die while they are forced to carry their pregnancy to term because of the really bad maternal care that's being given. So Dr. Gompertz, can you talk about what your plans are for the future? So there's different 
different strategies that we have to follow. One is that women get access to abortion pills now, but you also have to look at the long-term strategy. And what we're developing now is we're working on making Mifepristone, so the abortion pill, available as a once-a-week contraceptive and morning-after pill, so that you're blurring the line between anti-conception or contraception and what an abortion is. And this would be like really a method, a medicine that can be on demand that women can use you know how they want on their own terms either as a contraceptive or as a morning after pill and we why we think it's important is because this way you can make it available as a contraceptive uh, which will be much less regulated and possibly even over the counter in the future uh, and it's very important because it doesn't have the same side effects as uh, uh, contraceptives that many women don't want to use anymore because of the side effects and why can you just use one one of the two pills. Because this one, uh, the Mifepiston, is working to uh, postpone or to uh, to block ovulation, and it has an impact on the uh, endometrium itself. So this pill alone, if you use it every week, but in a lower doses, which is 50 milligrams, then it's that it prevents pregnancy from happening. It also prevents pregnancy from happening when it's used around sex, so as a morning after pill. And why hasn't this been done before? It's because it's not patented anymore, so the pharmaceutical companies are not interested in doing this uh, research. And also because it has been registered as an abortion pill, so the pharmaceutical companies, were, they, they, they are scared to invest in something that they think that might not be successful to register as a uh, uh, contraceptive. The medicine is also very effective against endometriosis and myoma. So it's a very potent, very important medicine for women's health. And so because the pharmaceutical companies are not interested, that's why we took it up because it's like when we started telemedical abortion 20 years ago when everybody said it won't succeed it's not going to work we really think this is going to be the future to make this medicine available on all the different indications that exist the dutch doctor rebecca gompert speaking to us from amsterdam founder of the groups aid access women on waves and women on web that does it for our show tune into our july 4th special monday for more on the overturning of roe and to hear james earl jones and frederick douglas's read his speech what to the slaves your fourth of july yeah that was great thanks good job amy Wear a mask in public indoor spaces. Go sign my move on petition.